it is, again, such an honor to be with you uh, tonight. My name is Matt. I'm the founding pastor of the Austin Stone. Thank you for spending your Christmas Eve with us. If if you've been with us over the last few weeks here at the Stone, if this is your church home, you know we've been looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And if you brought a Bible tonight with you, I want to go ahead and ask you to turn there. If you didn't, that's fine. But what we've been doing is looking at the names of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now, Isaiah chapter 9 is an Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and years before Jesus ever shows up on the scene, Isaiah speaks and gives this prophecy about this coming Savior, Messiah, that's going to save God's people. And in this scripture, in this prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6, he gives the names of this coming Messiah. He gives the names of Jesus. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at these names because what we learn through the names of Christ is we learn things about him. Each one of the names of Jesus has meaning. It's not like here in America where we give our children's names and they don't have a ton of meaning. Back in the day, every name had a meaning. It teaches us something about the character and the nature of Christ and who he is and how he interacts with us. And, and the first name that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, the first name of Christ looked at was the fact that Jesus' name is Mighty God. And, and the fact that Jesus' name is Mighty God is what distinguishes Christianity from every major religion in the history of the world. Because pretty much every major religion in the history of mankind has a couple of central themes. One, you have in most religions some central figure, some man that claims to point us to God or to introduce us to God. Many religions, they have like a set of rules or a set of practices that you have to do or accomplish in order to work your way to God or achieve some sort of God-like status. But over and over and over again, the claim of the Bible, over and over and over again, the claim of the scripture was that Jesus was infinitely more than just a man, but the claim of the scripture was that Jesus, this baby that was born to us, was in fact mighty God. And every other religion, pretty much every other religion in the history of the world is the story of man introducing us to God. Whereas Christianity is the story of God coming to earth, putting his flesh around him and introducing us to himself. And Jesus' name is in fact mighty God. We talked about also how the name of Christ is wonderful counselor. That Jesus, one of his names could have been wonderful public teacher, but it, but it wasn't. He, he did. He stood up and he taught people like I'm doing now. He just stood up and taught to an audience. But the scripture says his name is wonderful counselor, which means that he doesn't just impart a truth and expect the audience to deal with it. But it was life on life. Jesus is face to face. He's a counselor to us. He's somebody that cares about the workings of our hearts. And one of the things we talked about is one of the things that makes Christmas so amazing. And one of the reasons that we celebrate Christmas every year and it never gets old is because what we learn about Jesus is that he, mighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that formed the universe with the sound of his voice, came to us 2,000 years ago to be our wonderful counselor. We talked about last week, actually, how one of the names of Jesus is eternal father. And how is the name of the son of God, eternal father? And we looked at how through our first father, Adam, we inherited um, sin and death. The scripture says that one thing we inherited from our first dad was a sin nature. 
But through Jesus, through belief and trust in him, we inherit righteousness and eternal life. It's probably said best in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, where the scripture says, For the wages of sin is death. Every one of us in this room has sinned. The scripture says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory and the holiness of God. And the wages, the result, the payment of our sin in separation and enmity between us and God is, the scripture says in the Greek, eternal death. But, there's the word but there, and it's an important word. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now tonight, what I want to do, and just very quickly, this sermon is very, very short tonight because we know you've got things to do this evening, is I want to look at the very last name that Isaiah talks about, the name of Christ. And let's read this together, Isaiah 9, 6. He says, For a child will be born <coughs> unto us, and a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father. And lastly, he says, Prince of peace. Isaiah, in this prophecy, years before Jesus shows up, says that one of the names of the coming Messiah, Savior to the people of Israel will be Prince of Peace. Now, what does that mean? And it honestly, for years, it kind of confused me that the name of Jesus was Prince of Peace. What does that mean? Because the name of Jesus, I don't know if you've noticed, but the name of Jesus these days doesn't exactly incite world peace. It brings a lot of conflict. And so to really understand what the Bible means, that one of his names is the Prince of Peace, I want to begin by telling you what the people of Israel, the original audience that heard this prophecy, what they would have thought it meant that the coming Messiah would be named Prince of Peace. And to understand what they would have thought it meant, you have to look at a phrase, um, the, the phrase, and the government will rest upon his shoulder. That's the one thing over the last couple of weeks, the one phrase in Isaiah 9, 6 that I haven't talked about. Let me read it to you one more time. Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. And the first thing he says about who this man is that's coming, this baby that we're born, it says the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, we know now, two thousand or thousands of years later, this is talking about Christ. And we know that this means that the government will rest upon his shoulders. We know that that means that Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God, to build a new kingdom, and he is the one that reigns over it. But hundreds of years before Jesus shows up on the scene, when the nation of Israel was hearing for the first time, and and Isaiah says to them, there's a baby that's going to be born, and and the government is going to rest on his shoulders, and his name is going to be Prince of Peace. This is how they would have interpreted that. This is what they thought they would, that, that meant. They thought, they did think that what that meant is the baby was going to be born and that he was going to grow up and he was going to be a king. He was going to be a mighty ruler like King Saul or King David. And, and because Israel was like a war and torn nation, uh, war was a part of Israel's history then. And, and when this was said, they believed that since this, this king was going to come and he was going to be named Prince of Peace, they thought that this great new ruler, this Messiah, this Savior, this king was going to usher in a new period of peace and prosperity to the nation of Israel. That's what they were looking for in a Messiah. And church, honestly, guys, that's why they missed Jesus when he came. That's why the people of Israel rejected Jesus as their Savior and as their Messiah. 
because they were looking for a king. They were looking for a mighty ruler who was going to come and bring military and political peace and glory and prosperity to the nation of Israel. But when Jesus came, that's not how he came, did he? He came as a humble carpenter and he died on a Roman cross and he did not bring military and political peace and glory to the nation of Israel. Now, listen carefully to this. When he came, he did bring peace. When Jesus came to this earth, he did bring peace. But the kind of peace that Jesus brought was radically different than the kind of peace the Israelites were looking for. And so to understand why, to understand why the name of Christ is Prince of Peace, and to understand the kind of peace that Jesus brought when he came to us, you have to go to the moment where Isaiah's prophecy was actually fulfilled. You got to go up to the New Testament and you got to read and you got to look at the moment when Jesus Christ was actually born. And I want to just don't turn there. Just listen. I want to read this to you and listen to the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. And Luke chapter two, verse six, it says, and while they were there, that's Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem, (coughs) the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. <clears throat> and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That word Christ right there is Messiah. That word Christ right there means Savior. The angel shows up on the scene and says, the Savior has been born today. Church, that is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. The angels announce this Messiah, this Savior, that hundreds of years ago Isaiah prophesied, he's here. He's been born. Now, I want you to listen carefully, really carefully, to what the angel says next. Because what the angel says next reveals to us exactly what it means that Jesus' name is the Prince of Peace and the kind of peace that Jesus brought. Luke chapter 2, verse 13, listen carefully. And suddenly, and this is immediately what happened, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, I want you to read that carefully to yourself. And I want you to notice exactly what the angel is saying and exactly who Jesus is bringing peace to. The angel does not say that God is going to bring peace on earth. That's not what he's saying. The angel says, on earth, there will be peace among those with whom he is pleased. Some translations say men. What the angel is saying is on the earth, there will be peace among men with whom he is well pleased. And church, here's what that means. God did not send Jesus to bring about world peace. God sent Jesus to bring about peace to you and to me. That's what that means. When the the prophecy is actually fulfilled, When Isaiah 9, 6 actually comes into fruition and the angels start singing about it, you realize that God did not send Jesus 
to bring some sort of military and political peace to the nation of Israel, you realize that God sent Jesus to bring peace between us and him. On on that first Christmas night, the angels were shouting that truth at the top of their lungs. They were shouting that the birth of Jesus meant the days of the enmity between us and God were coming to an end. When Jesus was born at the birth of Christ, the angels were shouting out that the time had come that that those of us that were justified by faith in Christ can now be reconciled to God. And those of us who are enemies with God because of our sin can now be in relationship with God and be at peace with God. And that's what Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says. That's what Paul's talking about. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that means saved by faith in Jesus. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 10, he says, for if while we were enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And that is the greatest truth that's ever been told in the history of the world. Christmas, that's what Christmas is all about. That's why we sing. That's why we celebrate. It's because Jesus came to us and he brought peace. But the kind of peace he brought is the best peace we could ever receive. And that is peace between us and the Lord. You know, we just sang about it. You might have missed it. It's one of those songs that, that as Aaron said, kind of gets familiar to us. And so we don't think about the gravity and the weight of what it is we're singing. But Hark the Herald Angels Sing is actually pretty much word for word, Luke 2, kind of what I just read a second ago. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but think about this. It says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I don't know what heart means. I think it means like, hey, guys, listen up. I'm about to talk. But anyway, it says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild. What kind of peace is on earth? What kind of mercy is mild? It says God and sinners reconciled. When Jesus came, he brought to us a kind of peace that is so much better and so much deeper and so much more wonderful than any peace that could ever come at the end of a war. And that is peace with God, our heavenly father. And I want to tell you guys today, why that's important. Because we live in a world where, and I've been thinking about a lot this Christmas season, and honestly, this is the reason that I I chose to teach over the last few weeks on Isaiah 9, chapter 6, so we could come tonight to this name of Christ, Prince of Peace. We're, We're at a time in our world where so many of us are desperately longing for world peace. I can't remember a time in my life, maybe with the exception of <coughs> September 11th, where I have felt more the presence of evil and, and danger and strife than I have in 2015. When you think about ISIS and all the stuff that's going on with that, when you think about the terrorist attacks, the attacks in California, you think about all the racial tension and strife and places like Ferguson this year when when you look at all the political anger and, and division that's happening in our country, if there's ever been a time where, where I just know me personally has longed for peace on earth, it's been this season. 
It's been this Christmas. I remember the day that the California shootings happened. I was driving in my car. I was hearing it. And I just, I turned off the radio and I just started praying for those people. <clears throat> but then I turned the radio on and I plugged in my phone and I just turned on Christmas music because I, I remember thinking, I just want a little bit of peace right now. But here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want you to understand tonight and I want you to realize. And the thing that kind of hit me as I was listening to Christmas music. All that war and all that violence and, and all that anger, none of that stuff is going to stop. None of that stuff is going to stop until Jesus comes back. And that's the beautiful thing about the word of God. I believe every word of it, Jesus is coming back. And there, there's a day where the trumpet's going to sound and he's going to come busting through the clouds. And when he does, he's going to make it all right. He's going to set everything right. Every injustice, he will bring justice. Every corner where sin and evil was found, he will trample it. And on that day when he returns, there will be world peace. But until that day comes, until that day comes, we need to remember we have a Savior whose name is Prince of Peace. And here's what that means for you and for me tonight. That in the midst of all that chaos, in the midst of all that war, in the midst of all the disunity and all the anger and all the violence and all that stuff, the Prince of Peace can bring peace to you. He can bring peace to you. He can bring peace to your heart tonight, a peace that you've never experienced in your whole life. He's offering you tonight, not me, but the Lord. The Lord is offering you tonight the same gift that he offered those shepherds on the very first Christmas night. And what he's offering you is this. He's offering you peace in your heart. And the reason you can have peace in your heart, regardless of the circumstances, is because of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Because he paid the penalty for our sin and he rose from the grave. We can have peace with God. And when you have peace with your creator, when you've been reconciled with your creator, that's an anchor that will anchor you no matter what is going on in your life. That's the gift he offers you tonight. And so I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to bow your heads. <clears throat> and I just want to read this Christmas story to you one time. Before I pray, and before we sing, and before we leave here and go on with all the chaos that's waiting for us, just hear the Christmas story with fresh ears, knowing that the Prince of Peace has been born. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... 
there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among men with whom he is well pleased. Let's pray. Father, tonight I specifically want to lift up anybody in this room that does not know the all-surpassing peace that can be found through your son, Jesus. Father, you created us to be in relationship with you. We lost that because of our sin and nothing, nothing will satisfy us until we are reconciled back to you, God. That happens through Jesus. I pray if there's anybody in this room that knows in their heart of hearts, they need the peace that comes with being reconciled to God. I pray in the best way they know how that they would do that right now, that they would just trust in you, trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Father, I pray that you would give them the peace that you promised you would. Jesus, thank you for coming to us. It truly was the greatest night in history. As we sing tonight, God, we're not just singing a Christmas song. We're singing a song of worship to the greatest truth that's ever been told. Mighty God, wonderful counselor, eternal father, prince of peace has come to us. And so it's in your name that we sing. Amen. Let's stand together, church.